So what is consciousness? It's perception. Consciousness is awareness, perception. Humanity has come to. And to do so means that the certain influences in the world must be acknowledged. totality of the big picture, the, the tapestry of all of this information as it pertains to what's going on in the world and how it affects our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, and then put it into a format that can be readily understood by other individuals, and then share that information with whoever will accept any part of it, with whoever will accept any part of it. Hello, this is Chris Jansen. This is the End Evil Podcast. I'm here today with a special guest, uh, Eric Zimmer. Yeah. Rick Zimmer and I have been discussing um, matters. Recently, we were just having a discussion about some of the changes in our world around us since COVID. And uh, he is uh, someone who's done a lot of studying in the area of hypnotism and also mind control, which is a subject that is... I think very important to the end evil podcast. I see evil is the destruction of freedom and we see eat freedom being destroyed on a mass scale around us. And I'm trying to understand why people aren't seeing what's happening and why things are going the way they're going and what do we have to do to change it? So thanks for joining me, Eric. Good to see you. Yeah. Great to be here, Chris. Appreciate it. When you were, uh, you're just saying about hypnosis and, uh, you know, people, People don't respond well to the word hypnosis. I have found when, when I've do, done uh, hypnotherapy, uh, the worst thing I can do is say, and now I will hypnotize you because people get all tense and worried and defensive. And so I've stopped using that phrase, obviously. And uh, I also don't call what I do hypnosis as often as I used to because it doesn't matter what you call it, it works, right? But if you call it hypnosis, it puts people on the defensive. So, for example, um, a lot of people, when they're uh, getting ready to have children, they they attend this, uh, like, Lamaze breathing course where they get you to breathe in a certain rhythm and you focus on your breathing, and that is a classic hypnotic induction but you never once hear the word hypnosis in a Lamaze class. And that's, that's why, because if they called it hypnosis, it'd scare everybody away. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing is teaching people to hypnotize themselves without telling them that that's what they're doing. And once you're in hypnosis, then your, your mind is focused on what you are focused on and nothing else. And so the pain 
doesn't register because you're focused on your breathing. So, and that's, so the, um, the word hypnosis was coined by um, a, a doctor who was experimenting with it. And he used the Greek word for sleep, hypnos, because he thought that his assistant was asleep when he had hypnotized him. Hmm. But uh, later on, he realized that that was a, a mistake, and he tried to rename what he was doing monoideism, because when you're hypnotized, you're pretty much focused on one thing at a time, the monoidea, right? One idea. But hypnosis had already stuck. Right. So a easier nobody, to say too, right? Exactly. Nobody <laughs> wants, nobody wants to talk about mono ideism. But, um, the fact remains that when you're in a trance like that, you are focused very tightly on one thing at a time. And so you can block out all your uh, bodily sensations and, uh, you can, you can imagine things very, uh, vividly. And also it, it, it's worth noting that not everybody reacts the same way, right? There's about 30% of the population that are very good at taking suggestions and going into trance. They just drop deep and they do it quickly and they, they can visualize and, um, hallucinate very realistically. Uh, I'm very jealous of those people because they, they can have like a total fantasy adventure in their mind. And when they when they emerge from trance, the memory is just as real as if they had actually done it. So that's the that's the the extreme one third of the population. Thirty percent that's like that. Then there's another thirty percent that can take suggestions and can get moderately deep, and they can still benefit from from all of that. And then there's another thirty percent that is difficult to hypnotize. Um, they don't go deep into trance. They can still take suggestions, but it's much more of an effort. And then there's about 10% of the population that are like actively resisting any kind of suggestion. And those people are, are, um, uh, very difficult to hypnotize. So like when the CIA was doing their research in like uh, MK ultra mind control, hypnosis was a very promising technology or technique that they, they really worked hard. Because it worked so well on 30% of the population and it worked acceptably well on another 30%. But then there's that, that 40% that it doesn't work on. So how do you deal with that? So, so that's when they started doing the stuff with the drugs, right? Like LSD and, and sodium pentothal and all those other things to try and get that 40% that, that couldn't be easily hypnotized. But as their research went on, uh, you know, there, there's, there's so much that you can do with 60% of the population that are easy to, um, hypnotize. And television is like a hypnosis machine. The, um, the flickering lights, the, uh, everything about it puts people into trance almost immediately. Like within a minute of sitting down to watch television, uh, a viewer is in trance and that's that's why it's such a uh, a money making machine because they've got these thirty minute programs and then the commercials come on and if they do it right the people watching don't even realize it's a commercial until they've already been pitched right and they're in trance they're very suggestible and then this pitch comes on right so 
it it's uh, it's been phenomenally successful. And uh, I also read somewhere that uh, a study was done, and uh, until a person is between ten and twelve years old, they literally can't distinguish between what the TV show is and the TV ad. Right? It it all looks the same to a ten year old. They they can't distinguish between the program and the advertisement. And you you wonder as as uh, people are conditioned to that sort of behavior as children, at what point do they break free? Um, do we ever? You know, that's one thing that I'd be curious to see. This is something I've thought about. Um, I got to a point where I decided to stop watching certain violent shows, and and I can remember the specific show it was. It was this um, um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. There was one particular episode where you know this bloody scene happens. This guy gets just killed, and blood splattering everywhere. And I noticed the following week that scene kind of kept playing in my head and I'm kind of asking myself, do I really want to be re-experiencing this trauma? I I actually felt trauma when it happened. I kind of liked the guy who got killed and, you know, and it left this impression on me and it really kind of struck me for the first time being conscious of my own mind. How many times in the next two or three days I was re-experiencing the trauma. And then that got me to thinking about all these shows and TV things we've watched through our whole life. And when we're reflecting on memories or making a decision, our brain, a lot of um, the activities of our body and brain are autonomous. They just sort of happen. We don't drive every little function. You know, we don't tell our body when to sneeze. And so when you're thinking about something and you're trying to make a decision, your brain's going through all these um, paths and it's trying to find other examples. And can it really differentiate between the stuff that was on TV and say, Oh no, that's fiction. We saw that on TV or that's something I actually experienced. You know, I don't know that we necessarily, that the brain's necessarily always able to differentiate. No, I I agree with you. The, the, um, it's like your, your, your memories, your dreams and things you see on TV, you recall them in the same way, you know, when you think about it. Right. And so if, if you remember that scene from game of Thrones, it's as real in your memory as, you know, if you recall the, the first time you rode a bicycle, right? You're, you're bringing up the memory in the same exact way that you bring up the memory of this horrible murder in uh, Game of Thrones. So, yeah, your subconscious mind doesn't make a distinction between all that, right? It's just memories. It's data that your brain draws upon. So and you think about people that have like... um psychological problems due to trauma. Yeah. Um, what do you well, call PTSD. that? PTSD. PTSD, right? Like, um, haven't we all been exposed to the, so many murders and death yeah. and, and bloody it, scenes now that w- we all have this, you know, trauma? Yeah. And it desensitizes you to that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, I, um, I, I moved to California in um, 1999 for a job. And uh, I was forced to make a choice. Do I want to pay for cable TV or do I give up my TV? Because the apartment I moved into had no reception. And I I made the, the right choice. I gave up the TV. And, uh, you know, so since 1999, I have not had television in the house. And it's amazing. It's like It's like my life started in 1999 because I, I woke up from the TV trance. 
and I started doing things, right? I had all kinds of time all of a sudden. You know, I, I would uh, drive around the Bay Area and, and try new restaurants and, and go to the beach and do all kinds of stuff that, you know, in the past I would have been home watching a football game or, or some silly TV program. And uh, so I, I just felt so much better and I got so much more of out of my life once I got rid of the TV set. And uh, the other thing I notice is that um, I feel almost like I'm, I'm still stuck in the 1990s because my, my idea of culture and uh, you know, who's, who's hot, what's, what's popular, all that stuff comes from the TV and I don't have a TV anymore. So I don't know what's hot. I don't know, you know, who's popular. And I, I was uh, watching a Joe Rogan podcast and he, or a, a, a video where he was talking about Kim Kardashian. And I was thinking, who the hell is Kim Kardashian? Why, why is, why is he talking about this? And so I had to Google Kim Kardashian to find out what the hell he was talking about. And I was thinking, you're kidding me. This is, this is what's going on now. This is what people are paying attention to. Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, this, uh, I, I've heard of Game of Thrones, but I haven't ever watched it. And, uh, I, I, I remember the, the, the TV shows were getting more and more, you know, disgusting back in the nineties. And then I heard about this TV show called Dexter, which mm. is apparently the, the hero of this series is a serial killer. Right. It's like yeah. they, they've made a TV show starring a serial killer. What's interesting about that is I've noticed this trend over the last, you know, it's hard to say when it started, but, um, where all of a sudden the lead characters are the, the bad guy. You yeah. Know, and, and the hero, you know, can be someone who's actually doing all these evil things. And this, it's been like a trend, but it's not just TV shows, it's movies too. Yeah. You know, they started now they're going through in the Disney and they're making like movies that explain, you know, the bad guy's point of view and they make them <laughs> kind of good. Like, oh, well, you know, they're not all bad, you know, but these TV shows have been popping up like popcorn, you know, when it gets hot, all yeah. of a sudden more and more, they're, they're all coming from this other perspective. It, it, it's pretty sinister. And now when you, if you were to watch, like when I accidentally see the news, like out in public <laughs> or someone's house, I'm shocked. I'm like, wow. I can remember, um, I think it was, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, a year or two, I was in a donut shop, and yeah. it was one of those spots where they have the TV playing up there yeah. in the corner, yep. and um, I'm not even good with these people's names. She was a, a politician lady that was really big in the news, yeah. and the whole show, like the leading headline was about her getting in a fight with her family, some huh. kind of fight that this, you know this political woman was having with the family and everybody else would know exactly who I'm talking about, but I could care less who she is or what she's yeah. doing or why she's fighting with her family. But what really blew me away that that's a headline on, on, on the news, you know, was yeah. that this politician got in a fight with her family. It's like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> What's that news? That's not yeah, news. Well, so, so that's another point uh, regarding television is like TV news, right? You've got a channel, right? And you could put information in there. You could put uh, useful information. You could put facts in there. You could educate the population. Or you could fill that channel with uh, titillating details about Kim Kardashian. Right? 
And so the pipe is full of trash so that there is no discussion about freedom, liberty, um, you know, the best use of, of our time and energy, uh, foreign policy, anything of substance is crowded out by all of this trash and, and, you know, politicians who are fighting with their family, you know, what they are intentionally jamming our ability to discuss things, right? To reach an agreement, to, 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 you know, come to a consensus about which direction we should go and, and how to, how to navigate. And instead they've got everybody distracted and uh, more and more they're trying to get everybody to fight with each other, right? Bickering over uh, transgender bathrooms or, or, you know, whatever the latest uh, situation is instead of people getting together and agreeing that, you know, we need to cut the uh, funding of the military, right? Or uh, we need to find the missing trillions, right? I don't know if you have seen uh, Catherine Austin Fitz website, solari.com. She's got a, a, a page about the missing trillions. Like on September 10th, 2001, Donald Rumsfeld came out and said, we cannot track $2 trillion, right? Well, that was, that was 2001. Now it's up to $23 trillion that they've lost. The Department of Defense, the uh, HUD, and a couple other government agencies have literally lost track of $23 trillion. They have no idea. And and where is that in the news cycle? You know, it's like the, the government has completely run off the rails and trillions and trillions of our tax dollars are unaccounted for. You know, you can do a lot with a trillion dollars. <laughs> you know, you, you could do an awful lot with $23 trillion. You know, where is that money? And and why why can't they account for it? You know, uh, you look at the um, the employment situation, right? And all these people who've who've spent the last whatever eighteen months not paying rent, not having a job. Twenty three trillion dollars would pretty much make all of those people, uh, you know, imagine what could be done if if we had that money back, right? If 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 it hadn't been squandered by the the black budgets and the and the who knows what's going on with all of those defense department projects, you know, and the, the, the money we wasted in Afghanistan, what did we get out of that? Iraq. You know, we, we got, we got thousands and thousands of dead soldiers and hundreds of thousands of injured soldiers and new fresh new enemies popping up all the time. Exactly. And, and we, we managed to, uh, to give them, $85 billion worth of uh, materiel to, to, <laughs> to attack us with. I mean, it, this is the sort of thing that they prevent us from talking about by filling the airwaves full of trash. Distraction. And yeah. that, that actually is a good lead in to kind of like some of the questions I wanted to ask you because, okay, COVID hits, you know, no. I'm just, amazed i'm already someone who's questioning everything already yeah. going around trying to talk to people about september 11th <laughs> and things of that nature and yeah. this happens and and like not really that surprised to see yeah. something like this 
come about, but it came in a different form than I was expecting. But what, no. what I really found shocking more than anything was how people reacted or didn't react, really. Exactly. How people were compliant, going along with it. And I'm trying to understand, like, okay, people are in a lot worse mental shape than I thought. Yeah. You know, I, I knew things were bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. And so ever since on my End Evil podcast and people I have these type of discussions with, I keep asking this question. How did people get so hypnotized and distracted into this or conditioned into this point where they're just willing to be slaves? They're just willing to bend over and take it, whatever comes across the board, even when it's absolutely ridiculous, you know? And so, you know, I thought you could help fill in maybe some of the blanks, something I try to done some research into is mind control, but, you know, I'm not like nearly as well studied or, as you are. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how, you know, how um, it works. Like NLP is a good place, like where, you know, someone can distract someone and get them, give them these suggestions. How, how does someone control someone's mind? Well, so um, it's a big question. It's a good one. Um, uh, for example, um, when, when, when you ask someone a question, you have the chance to hijack their processes, right? To hijack their thought process. If you, if you ask them a question like, um, uh, are, are you planning to join the military tomorrow? Right? You, you are presupposing that joining the military is an option for them. Right. And you get them thinking along a certain line. Right. And so, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here off the cuff. But um, when when you ask someone a question, you you are able to put something in their head. Right. And make them think about it. Right. And another aspect is um, in commercials. Right. If you've got. Like the old time commercials from a hundred years ago, they basically said, here's a product. Here are the features. Here's why you should, you know, buy this product, right? Well, that's appealing to the conscious mind. That's appealing to reason and, and rationality. And humans don't work that way, right? People for, for thousands of years were trying to, to, to cultivate their rational thought because it's so much easier to just be emotional. Right. And they, they realize that with their mind control research, you appeal to the emotions and you're much better off. Right. If you provide an emotional example, then you persuade people very quickly. It could be a total fallacy, but it's more effective than approaching them with reasons and with logic and with rational thought. So. So the the uh, the broadcasts are very emotional, right? Like uh, this recent one about the border, right? There's thousands of uh, Haitians living under a bridge in Texas. And the the border patrol comes in riding horses, right? And so they they're chasing the 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 migrants, the the um illegal aliens around on their horses and they're using their reins and twirling them around, right? And so MSNBC reports that the Border Patrol is whipping the illegal aliens down at the border because they've got a picture of a guy on a horse spinning the, you know, twirling the reins around. So it turns out that 
apparently that's a technique that the border patrol are taught in order to keep people away from the horses because if the people get too close to the horse, they might get stepped on or the horse might kick them, right? I mean, I would ask the question, why are they on horseback? I mean, just give them motorcycles or or a Jeep or something, right? Why do they have to be on horseback? But the the point I'm trying to make is that on the on the nightly news, they show pictures of people on horses twirling the reins and calling it a whip. And now they've got all that emotion, right? A white man on a horse whipping a black man. And all reason, ration, and logic goes out the window because of this emotional picture and the emotional statements that the uh, the newsreaders are making, right? So so they, they, they essentially overwhelm the rational mind with emotional arguments, emotional images, and um, then how how can you how can you get the discussion back to you know we need border control, we need to uh, maintain control of our borders. How is the best way to do that? You know, why are all these people trying to cross over into the United States? What is it about the economy of Mexico and Haiti and these other places that it is so bad that they would risk their lives to come to the United States? Right. I mean, you you could have a discussion about that. But once they show pictures of white men on horses whipping black people, you know, you you've lost control of that discussion and it, it becomes, uh, you know, something to protest, you know. So. So there's a lot of manipulation there. There's a lot of manipulation and a heavily leaning on the emotional content to get people to stop thinking and start reacting. And once you, uh, I mean, there are certain topics like abortion is a well-known wedge issue, right? Some, some people are very strong on one side. Some people are very strong on the other. You bring that topic up and you get an argument, right? Um, Unfortunately, 9-11 is the same sort of thing, right? There are emotional responses to 9-11 that completely overwhelm logic and reason. And I, I have yet to be involved in a, in a logical, rational discussion of 9-11 with anyone. It always gets emotional, right? You so know, another thing I discovered um, a few years ago, I was trying to start a little business selling yeah. stuff on Amazon. And um, the obstacle I ran into was I really wasn't prepared for advertising. Mm. So, you know, I learned a hard lesson. You know, I had to learn about advertising. I started looking into advertising. What does it take to advertise? Yeah. How do you get people's attention? And what I learned as I started researching and learning about advertising is that advertising is based on attacking people's emotions or provoking emotions. Yes, Provoking so, people to buy your product. <laughs> maybe you could um, explain a little better how um, how that works in terms of like in our brain. What, what's going on when we're um, in that state of emotion, and why does that prevent us from being able to think clearly? Well, um, so I've I've got a a couple of videos on uh, Brighteon, and I also posted them on YouTube. Although YouTube took one of them down, um, called Figures. the the defense against the dark arts of mind control. 
And the first one focuses on subliminal advertising. Actually, the first two are all about subliminal advertising and how they they take uh, like an advertisement for uh, Gilby's Scotch is uh, one of the more famous ones. And they show a, a, a Collins glass with um, it looks like a, a, a gin and tonic. And there are four ice cubes in the glass. And the first one looks like the letter S. The second one looks like the letter E. And the third one looks like the letter X. And so you've got in this photo, what, what they're passing off as a photograph of a glass of a gin and tonic. It's actually artwork, right? And they've, they've airbrushed in the letters S E X. And so your conscious mind doesn't see that, but your subconscious mind does. And when your subconscious mind is, is flipping through a magazine and it sees the letters S E X, bright and bold in the center of the page, your subconscious mind says, hey, look at that. And your conscious mind doesn't see that. But there is an emotional reaction to those letters. And your brain, your conscious mind, will rationalize that, oh, I got an emotional reaction to this ad because you know, fill in the blank. I'm thirsty. I like gin. I could use a gin and tonic right now. Any, any rationalization will do, but it, that's what it is. It's a, it's a conscious rationalization of the subconscious reaction that you had to seeing the letters SEX on this advertisement. So the letters work pretty good, but your, your brain works in pictures, right? So if they put a skull on that, you know, it, it say the, the, there are a lot of whiskey ads where the ice cubes in the whiskey glass have skulls hidden in them. And so the skull is like a, a death image, right? And that's, that's an emotional image for most people. Alarming, uh, upsetting, emotional. So you, again, you're flipping through a magazine and you see this, your subconscious mind sees a skull in a glass of scotch and it says, Hey, there's a skull in that picture and you get an emotional reaction to it. And so you think, Oh, well, this must be good scotch or I like the, the whatever about it, right? You rationalize your emotional response to that image. And so the, the subliminal advertisements have just just like the TV shows that get worse and worse and worse and more and more disgusting, the the advertisements have gotten more and more outrageous in what they show in the ice cubes, right? Or embedded in the background or wherever they hide the things. They're more and more outrageous images hidden in advertisements. And the objective, as far as I can tell, is to provoke an emotional response so that you rationalize and and consciously remember the the brand or the product the next time you're presented with it at the store so that's that's what they're intending right but then there's an unintended consequence right when you are exposed to more and more outrageous imagery year after year after year all that stuff accumulates in the subconscious right like those images from the game of thrones that you saw those never go away. You might forget about them, but they're in there, right? 
as are all the the three letter and four letter words that they hide in the in the ads and all the skulls and all the uh, genitalia that they put in there and all that kind of stuff just accumulates in people's subconscious minds and you know there are a lot of behaviors these days that would be totally unacceptable 50 years ago right um I, I remember uh, somebody on the Discord uh, shared a video of some some musician, and he had he was a white guy with dreadlocks and tattoos all over his face. And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> that's not acceptable where I come from. You don't put tattoos on your face, but it's become acceptable wherever that guy lives, you know. And these sorts of things are, 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 are growing, you know, there, there are, there are changes afoot and you got to wonder why, why are people tattooing themselves the way they are? Right. I mean, I follow, uh, um, soccer in Europe and a lot of the big soccer stars are covered with tattoos. Uh, some of them aren't, but some of them are. And uh, some of the really famous ones are. And as a result, you know, with monkey see, monkey do, a lot of the kids now are tattooing themselves all over the place because their idol, you know, the idol soccer player does it. You know, where is all that coming from? You know, who? Well, there's who, a certain um, cultural, you know, they, I've heard of the Overton window. That's something I've talked about in my podcasts but you know? there's also this sort of um I've thought about it in this way before like why would anyone get addicted to crack cocaine for instance how could no. that happen you know that seems just so far afield from my experience right but you know I've been in East Palo Alto where you see people that are living in conditions where you know there's a crack house you know and maybe you're a little kid that's born in that crack house or next door to that crack house your mm-hmm. uncle your brother your cousin your aunt, they all do crack. And it just kind of seems normal. You grow up in that environment. It doesn't seem like all that odd of a thing to do. So the first time someone offers you some crack, you might be kind of like, well, sure, what the hell? You know, it doesn't seem like that far out there. And so the more the Overton window kind of shifts, it's like everybody around you, almost like peer pressure, kind of has this expectation of this is what's okay or this is what's acceptable. And and but who the question is who's controlling that window who's engineering this perception yeah and is it most people don't want to believe it's being engineered they they just can't consider that that could be possible but you right. and i know that there are cultural engineers and there are psychological engineers in this world and they understand things like nlp and how people's minds are controlled by emotions yeah. so maybe you could dig into that a little bit more yeah, well, so like uh, Edward Bernays wrote the book um, Propaganda, and he he basically spills the beans on the first page where he says, you know, there there are unelected people that you have never met who are shaping your opinions through the mass media, and that is how the society is governed by these people self-appointed mostly because they're rich enough to own a TV station or, or several and they can push, you know, tattoos. They can push rap music. They can push uh crack cocaine. 
And then you figure uh, Richard Grove has got an awful lot of information about the drug trade. And the East India Company basically was the first, the world's first corporation. It became the biggest corporation. It dominated England. It dominated India. And they were, they were essentially a, a drug cartel. They, they were pushing drugs worldwide and profiting handsomely from it. That's where a lot of the old world or um, old money families got their wealth was the drug trade. Uh, you know, it was a triangle trade. I forget exactly how they did it, but uh, they, they grew the opium in India and sold it to China for uh, silks and, and um, uh, jade and other things. And they take that back to England, sell that and uh, take whatever they, they, they had and, and sell it to India. I mean, the, there are all these trading routes and uh, free trade agreements that basically wound up with drugs being one of the uh, uh, key commodities that were being sold and sold at a huge profit. So those people are the people with money. Those are the people who own the TV stations, the radio stations, Right. They're the ones that know how to advertise and market products. And they're the ones that made their fortunes in drugs. Right. And then, then you look at the, um, the crack cocaine epidemic of the nineties with, uh, Gary Webb's expose from the San Jose Mercury News. He, he basically documented that it was the CIA that was facilitating all this drug trafficking. Right. And, then, then with Iran Contra, you see that what Oliver North wanted was an independent, off-the-shelf entity that was self-perpetuating and was available for these covert operations for when Congress wouldn't let the president do what he wanted to do, right? So all the pieces come out, if you're paying attention, the, the drug trade is paying for the black operations that are subverting the governments and culminating in this one world government that they're foisting onto us. Right. And um, I think Gary Webb committed suicide by shooting himself two times in the head. Exactly. Back of the head. Right. Yeah. No help at all from the CIA. (laughs) So, you know, the, the, the thing about all this is that, you know, when, when you like, like if you follow Richard Grove and you you listen to his podcasts and you do your own independent research, the the picture that emerges is of a totally corrupt hierarchy that is essentially running in the background and controlling the whole world, right? And they do it through the the banking uh, infrastructure. Right, the central banks and the the Bank of International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland, that seems to be the control structure that that the the whatever you want to call them, the one percent. That's how they're the powers they're that shouldn't be. Yeah, the powers that shouldn't be are are running the banks, the central banks, and they're running the drugs, and they they have a couple of uh, of extremely effective techniques. One is uh, Problem reaction solution, right? Order from chaos. Dialectic. Yeah. So, so they, they want, they want total control. So what do they do? They fund the drug runners, right? 
And so then the people get upset because the, the kids are smoking crack at the school. And so they demand more law and order. So then the government provides the police force and the DEA agents and the undercover. Gun regulations. Yeah, and gun regulations. And then the, the, the solution is that guess what? The powers that shouldn't be have even more control now because they're the ones that are funding the drugs. They're the ones that are profiting from the police. And you know, they, they, they keep this game going because people don't do their own research. They don't pay attention. And, you know, I, I experienced this myself in, when I moved to California, I was working at a startup and I was, I was working 14 hour days. I didn't have time to keep up on the news. I didn't have time to do anything but work. And so, you know, that was when, um, was it, uh, George W. Bush got elected. Hmm. He was running against Al Gore and, um, I didn't, I didn't know Both what was bonesmen from the, uh, what do you, what are they called from Yale University? They were both part of the same club. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, club, right? Carrie and, Carrie. Oh, that was w. Carrie. That's yeah. right. I got confused. But Al, Al Gore was, he was a member of something He's else. He's another I mean, insider that poses exactly. as not being an insider, right? Yeah, so, so you got people who are too busy. I mean, they're, they're busy trying to make ends meet. They don't have the time to research what's going on. They don't have time to dig into the you know what's behind the headlines and so that's that's a good point you know that's kind of where i think we should go next with this is because you know i can relate to feeling so stressed out on a on a week when um you know i've been working a lot let's say and um getting a little run down maybe staying up a little too late at night or whatever and feeling a little bit um emotional on edge and then something could happen in life or I could see something on the news or get some bad news and feel myself kind of getting all emotional. And in that state of mind, it's like very difficult to come up with ideas and options and think of nuanced um, solutions to problems and Mm. to kind of get in that higher vibration that I like to be in where I'm all full of ideas and hopes. And, And the life we live tends to keep pushing us back down, you know, put your head down, you know, back in the grind. And and when you're in that state of mind where you're stressed, it's really hard to react to things without getting emotional and to use your higher functions. So like we have this whole world of things, the television, like we discussed, the, the bad food people are eating. Um, you know, I think they're spraying things in the skies. Some people will disagree with that. But, you know, there's um, radiation coming from these electronic devices. There's any number of things I could bring up that are um, unhealthy and causing stress on our physical body and our mind. And so we're in this position of now trying to help other people realize that, like, okay, things are getting drastic. It's getting really bad, you know, <laughs> with the totalitarian <laughs> control and the tyranny to the point where we really need to do something about it in mass very yeah. soon. Otherwise, it's too late. So how do we start shifting, you know, is the question. And so how can we use these understanding of hypnosis and self-hypnosis and um, bring ourselves into those higher vibrational types of thinking and not be um, guided by our emotions and reacting to the formulas that they're putting in front of us, you know? Yeah, well, so that's that's a, a very difficult um, question. I mean... Uh, so what, what you and I have done is we got rid of the TV. 
right? So I, I would say that's step one <laughs> is if, if you, if you catch yourself watching TV, you know, more than, than like, I guess I would say a football game or, uh, you know, a sports event. That's about the only thing I can think of that's on a television. Movie, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and it, you can learn something from it, you know? Yeah, educational stuff. But, but anything else, right? If you're watching the nightly news, that's you, you're being poisoned, right? If, if you're watching anything political, your, your, your mind is being poisoned, right? Uh, the same with talk radio. Uh, there's a, there's an interesting movie that somebody made called Brainwashing My Dad. And uh, it, this woman basically documents how her father, once he retired, started listening to Rush Limbaugh and, uh, he, he went off, you know, into, uh, <laughs> right wing madness. And, uh, once, once they turned the TV off and, and got rid of the radios, he, he snapped out of it. Hmm. Right. But, but it, it's real. You know, you, you really can be brainwashed by the TV and the radio. So turn them off, get rid of them. Take control of what you see and what you hear. I, I did that a long time ago. I, I, I've turned off the radio in my car. I listen to CDs that, that I make for myself, right? So I, I, I have a mixtape that puts me in a happy mood, right? Because even some songs will bring you down. So, so you got to take control of your inputs, right? Um, I, I've got a, uh, I've got a house on a half an acre lot. And so I've got a garden, I've got backyard chickens, I've got a bunch of fig trees that I planted, some plum trees, pear trees. You know, I've, I've got food growing all around me in the backyard. And that's a comfort, but I, I didn't realize when I bought the half acre that that's just like a hobby size, right? You need five acres per person if you're going to grow your own food. And, and that's something that people are going to be becoming much more aware of, I think, in the, in the coming years is that food is important and, uh, food doesn't come from the grocery store. You know, if, if, uh, if they do to, uh, food what they did to toilet paper in the early days of this, uh, then people are going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, so, so, so nature is huge too. You know, I mean, that's to me like what I call the reset. You know, and I mean, I I I grew up in San Jose, and mm. um, I remember going up to a place I my my childhood place, Alum Rock Park, and it was like a whole different place than the city, you know. And mm. I remember feeling different. I remember going to church camp and just being like coming back into the city and being like, "Why do we live here? Why does anyone live here?" <laughs> you know. I mean, nature is one of the best medicines for the mind. Of yeah. anything I could think of, take your feet, take your shoes off, and let them touch the earth, and yeah. listen to the birds, and walk around in nature. I mean that. But anyway, go ahead. I just had to jump in with that one. When yeah, talk well, about I, your yard. <laughs> I, I agree that. So yeah, that's basically like charging, recharging your batteries, right? Take a break from the stress, get out into nature, relax, take a deep breath, and uh, you know, be here now, and. As far as, um, you know, the, I've been trying to organize a group locally, right? I, I advertised on Craigslist for a common sense group. I'm, I'm hoping that I can get some people together and we can do homeschooling and we can 
support each other in the, you know, in the future going forward, I think people are going to need local support. I mean, it, it's fine to have an online community that you're part of, but you know, the online community is the, the nearest person that I've got on my online community is like four hour drive away. So if, if, you know, the shit hits the fan, I need somebody locally who can help me out. And, uh, I'm trying to organize that. And I think everybody else should be doing that too. The problem is that people don't see the urgency yet. They don't feel the urgency. And when, when they need somebody, right? When, when the, uh, the vaccine police are at their door, it's too late, right? You, you, you can't find support when the authorities are right there holding you down, injecting you, right? You got to plan ahead. And that's where we're at right now. We need, we need to plan ahead because those days are coming. One, and, one resource to check out is, um, Freedom Cells from Derek Burroughs' website. I've met some people through there. In fact, next weekend, I'm going to see some people I met locally through Freedom Cells, you know, yeah. using the locator map. Yeah. I, I, I tried to join the local one here in, uh, Beaverton and, uh, they, we, we could never get it connected because they, they, they meet so infrequently. Mm. So I started my own Freedom Cell and I've got yeah. seven, seven people who have, emailed me, but only nice. one of them has actually met face to face. Yeah. So, um, it's a process. Yeah. It's a process and, and people need to step it up because I, I feel, I feel time pressure, right? Yeah. I, I, things are moving quite quickly. Right. You know, just a year ago, they were all saying that we would never mandate vaccines, Right. Fauci was saying, oh, no, that's ridiculous. No, I don't believe in that. And now he's the one, you know, champing at the bit saying, no, no flights unless you jab. No this unless you jab. Oh, and no, no job me, unless you jab. You know, isolation camps and border, new borders are right around the corner. I guarantee it. Yeah. They're, they're advertising for, um, uh, the quarantine camp up in Washington state. That apparently is where people in Oregon, Idaho and Washington state are going to be kept. If they refuse the jab, who knows? Next year, uh, they're, they're, they've actually built a concentration camp in Washington State for that. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> well, I was checking out your um, website right before our conversation. Um, new slash habit dot com, right? Uh, new dash, new dash, yeah, habit. dash, not slash hyphen. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> took me a minute to get that right. And you yeah. have on there um, affirmations. Um, meditations and um, you'll even do custom um, recording for someone else like you described doing yourself. I've done that myself too. I have a, a meditation recording I made for myself yeah. that I listen to in the mornings. I, sometimes I burn a little sage when I listen to it. Yeah. Um, I do a breathing practice that I learned from Wim Hof. I've always told people about that. That's changed my life. So, yeah. um, breathing meditations and affirmations and, um, basically focusing, right? Focusing your mind on, on, um, health, right? Yeah. How would you put it? Yeah. Well, it, it depends on your objective, um, for what we've been talking about. Uh, so relaxation is, is key. I've got a couple of videos on my uh, YouTube channel and my Brighteon channel, uh, basically stress relief, relaxation. Uh, you can experience hypnosis through those. Uh, what's nice about that is that it's pre-recorded, right? So 
one of the big questions or concerns people have about hypnosis is, you know, how can I trust you? How are you, you know, how can I be sure you're not going to make me quack like a duck or do something silly? Well, it's pre-recorded, right? So I can't go off script. It's, it's, you can listen to it and, and make sure it's what you want. And then it'll relax you and put you in a trance and, and help you, uh, recover from whatever ails you. Um, Basically, uh, when you're in trance, when you're in a relaxed, focused state of mind that is hypnosis, it's four times more restful than sleep, four times more recuperative than sleep. So if you're feeling run down, then uh, a 35-minute hypnosis recording will be the equivalent of two hours of sleep. So, so that's a good thing. And uh, I've also got meditation on there. Uh, so that it, it's very similar in that you, you, you calm your body, you calm your mind and you concentrate on the voice and the words that are being spoken. And it allows you to rest basically and recuperate. And that's good. Um, so, um, send me I, when you get a chance, I'd like you to send me the links to your, um, the Brideon and, um, Video YouTube videos you have. Okay. I actually have a tab on endevil.life, my um, website, yeah. for meditations. And I would like maybe, if it's okay with you, to add those on there. Yeah, sure. I think, I guess what I'm getting at is with these type of tools, I'm hoping we can get other people in the state of mind, you know, where we can be able to prioritize and realize the situation we're in, what needs to be done. Because I feel like, the vast majority of people keep getting sucked back into the mundane, um, which is just sucking us deeper into this hole um, that's leading us down a dark path. And, you know, yeah. when we first started talking about this, you were talking about what is the ultimate goal of them, you know, these right. powers that be. And I personally, my research has led me to see that it's more than just depopulation because if they just wanted to kill us, the technology already exists. And it has yeah. existed for quite some time. Um, we we could have they could have brought on uh, a war where everybody shoots their bombs, and that would really get rid of most people pretty quick. Um, you know, whether you believe that they're spraying stuff in the sky or not, there's planes that leave lines on a daily basis, and they could be spraying just about anything, and you wouldn't know, right? You know, so if they wanted to just kill everybody, they probably could have done it already. You know. And and, I, and what I think is it's kind of more like the movie The Matrix is they're working towards a world where people are combined with technology and they want to be gods. Mm. You know, they want to own people and farm people. And yeah. if they can shoot us all up with their technology, then they can control us like remote control little little bots. And they're already doing it. Yeah. And so I think that is more the design is just if you kill them all, then you can't rape them for everything they have and you can't use them. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's no fun if you just kill them. You want to play with them first. Right. right. <laughs> that's, so, yeah. that's what I see. The world I see in the future is much like the Matrix. I feel like we're already getting there. Yeah. Well, there, there's a, a couple of good interviews with um, Catherine Austin Fitz. I think it's Planet Lockdown. Where, where she's basically, she explains, but not very clearly that it's the, the, the powers that shouldn't be have decided that uh, they want us all to be slaves and they think they've figured out how to do it. 
and that would be with um, the vaccine passports is basically to institute this uh, digital ID system. And the digital ID system will be tied to the central banks, which are going to convert our cash dollars to central bank digital currencies, right? So, so essentially they're going to do away with cash. So your credit card will work. Your smartphone will work. Everything will be digital and you'll have an account with the, uh, the federal reserve and you, your dollars will disappear and you'll be issued, uh, a certain number of, of uh, central bank digital credit units. And uh, it'll be like uh, the old days, right? You you get paid in company script, and you can only spend that script at the company store, right? So and and only it'll be electronic, and they'll have fine control. So if you if you sell an item at a garage sale, you're still going to have to pay tax on it because they'll know that you sold your extra bicycle at a garage sale, right? If you if your son or your daughter tries to set up a lemonade stand, the only way they can sell is through the central bank digital currency and they'll get their tax money off of that lemonade stand, right? And right. everything above that. So so that's what that's according to Catherine Austin Fitz, that's the plan is to institute the digital ID that's tied to your central bank digital currency. And so then they they your browsing history will be available to them. Everything you do will be associated with your digital ID and your, your money will, will be, I mean, they could turn your account off if you misbehave, right? Or they could say that, you know, uh, you can only go five miles from your home. If you are more than five miles from your, your local zip code, then your money won't work, right? You can't check into a hotel that's five miles away from your home. You can't go to a store that's five miles away from your home because your money just won't work. That's the kind of control that they will have once they institute the digital ID through the vaccine passport and then uh, get do away with cash and go to the central bank digital currency. So that seems to be their objective. And uh, if, if people knew about that, I think they'd be scared half to death because how do you, once they implement that, how do you break free? Right. They, they've they got the, the, your access to food and shelter, transportation, all of it is locked up with your digital ID and their database in the sky tells them who's been good and who hasn't. You know, it, it gets a little overwhelming um, when you look at the technology and when you spend time, even in the alternative news, hearing people talk about these things and where things are going and how bad it's going to get. Yeah. But, you know, since we're kind of getting to the end here, I want to um, end with a ray of hope. Yeah. And my um, well, understanding. I have one too. Good, good. I'll let you follow me up. Um, the I, I love the book, The End of All Evil. That's what I based this podcast on. Yeah. And in that book, Jeremy Locke says, evil's dying. It's on its way out. You know, we had before nobility and kings and people finally woke up and realized how silly that was that those people aren't better than me just because they're wearing a robe, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that it died out. It, it stopped working. And what they're doing right now, it's, it seems like it's working pretty good, but it can't last. Yeah. You know, evil cannot win. You know, ultimately it's going to die. 
Yeah. And it could take a real long time. We could go through a lot of pain and torture between now and then. But ultimately, you know, good wins, you know, because that's what things come from. The creative force, the energy of life. Yeah. That's what's real. Yeah. And that's what we need to combine and, and align ourselves with. And if we do that, you know, we might go through some troubles and some problems, but we're going to be very proud of ourselves and we're going to die knowing we did the right thing. Yeah. And that's kind of <laughs> what I'm on this path with on this, you know, podcast. But let's hear your um, ray of hope. Yeah. Well, so just uh, I wanted to to uh, add to what you said in that, um, you know, the, the creative, productive ideas don't come from evil people. Right. Unless it's a new way to torture somebody. But I mean, in terms of productive things and improvements, those all come from free, free people able to associate with other free people and develop their ideas and, and use their creativity. So if they lock us all down and enslave everybody, well, it's just, you know, a, 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 a downward slope until they, they can't maintain the machines and it all breaks down. Right. So there's that. And along those lines, my ray of hope is that um, I I actually saw a presentation in the 80s about uh, peak oil and, and uh, infinite growth by Al Bartlett. He's got a great presentation about the exponential function. And uh, basically, you can't grow forever on a finite planet. It just won't work. And at some point, we will reach... Uh, the, the, the year that we can't take more petroleum out of the ground this year than we did last year. And that is the definition of peak oil. And from that point on, there'll be less and less energy available. And some people say that that happened in 2005. And that's why we had the big problem in 2008, the financial crisis. It turns out that when, when the energy can't grow or when the energy stops growing, it's the financial industry that, that breaks first. And so that's why, um, so there's a guy named Dmitry Orlov. He's, he runs a blog called uh, cluborlov.com, I believe. And he observed the Soviet Union collapse and he's been writing about how the uh, American empire is going to collapse sooner or later. And he noticed in the fall of 2019 that the uh, repo market was going crazy. And uh, the, the Federal Reserve had to pour billions of dollars every night into the repo market, which is not right. And that was an indication that the, the financial system was, was cracking up again because the, uh, the fracking that had been sustaining the, uh, the global civilization energy needs peaked, uh, in 2018 or so. So by 2019, it was, it was starting to have an impact. So that's when they launched the pandemic because they could see that the, the energy supply was, was getting tight and the Ponzi scheme was going to be exposed. And so in order to stay at the top of the pyramid, the powers that shouldn't be launched the pandemic at the time they did because the energy supply forced them to do it because you know, this whole time I've, I've seen evidence that they, they kind of went off half cocked. They, they didn't get everything done that they needed to get done in order for this all to work. And so it's, it's not working. And uh, what they were trying to do was maintain their position at the top of the pyramid as everything fell apart. And so my ray of hope is that without 
uh, abundant, cheap fossil fuels, modern civilization is impossible. They cannot maintain the slave state that they are hoping for without huge amounts of cheap energy. And those days are gone, right? We, the, the oil deposits that we have left are in deep water or at the poles, and they're too expensive in, in terms of time and energy, or money, time, energy, and effort to, uh, to exploit. So we're going to have to get by on less energy, and that means decentralization. That means distributed control, not centralized control. Centralized control is very wasteful and expensive, and it's, it's just not going to work. So that's my ray of hope. Well, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. You know, um, you have so much to share. I think we could keep going for a whole nother, you know, a couple hours. There's a lot more questions I have to ask you. Maybe we'll have to have another discussion yeah, in the future, but yeah, I we think could we maybe, should tie it up for now. Go yeah. ahead. I'm thinking next time we could uh, maybe plan ahead a little and, and write down some questions, and then I, I wouldn't be – because I – I have a tendency to run off. <laughs> Me too, but but it's it's a great conversation, and I think that tends to be very interesting. Yeah, you know, like when I listen to other people's conversations, it's okay when it wanders a bit because it's interesting. You know, yeah, it's just where the mind goes. But yeah, like I'd like to tap into some more of your um, knowledge on, you know, like um, the more specific facets of hypnotism and like we didn't get into NLP very much. Yeah. But um those type of things anyway. But yeah, but great talk. Um I gave me a lot to think about. I think anyone listening will have a lot to think about. Appreciate it. All right. Well thanks Chris. So it was um, fun. Whoever is checking it out, check out um his website. Um you say it this time so I don't screw it up. <laughs> it's uh it's new dash habit. N E W hyphen H A B I T dot com. Right on. Yeah. And then we'll share, I'll share, um, along with this episode, I'll share those, um, videos. If you can send those over to me, the links. Yeah. I'll do your meditation videos so people can meditate, center themselves and raise their vibrations and understand the real problem that's going on is freedom and slavery. Which one do we want? That's what we gotta be. That's the real battle. Yeah. That's the ultimate. So that's it. All right. Thanks much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chris. Cool. All right. Admit, admit, or face, or face. Just how far, how far the place humanity has, humanity come, has to. come to. And then do so, do so, is a certain, a certain influence in the world, in the world, must be, must be, must be.